Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to the session talking about steps to autonomous operations. My name is Ajit Zardgaukar. Uh, this is a level 300 session. We will be talking advanced concepts. Uh, I'll be showing you code, but we'll probably not walk, uh, go in deep into the code. And the session is most suited for people in operations and developers who regularly do debugging and trying to tr troubleshoot the problems. But if this is not what you're looking for, this may not be the best session for you. You won't offend me if you want to walk out. Uh, that's not a problem. Uh, I, I have a great customer, admins.com. Uh, uh, Stefan Felsen, our CIO from there, he'll be joining later part of the session, uh, sharing about how they use, uh, how do they optimize operations. So let's uh, move further. My name is Ajit Zhadgaupar. Like I mentioned, I run the global DevOps practices uh, at Amazon. Before coming to Amazon uh, AWS, I did work at Admins where I led all in migration into cloud. I was managing all of the operations as well. As you see, uh, throughout my career, I really like how to drive operational efficiency, and that gets me going. Uh, whether I'm doing development, I'm building something, I'm doing testing, or I'm looking at operations, uh, my focus has always been around efficiency. And some things that doesn't I don't like is alert fatigue when I was managing operations. There are good days and bad days. The bad days uh, basically sweep everything away, and good days don't let you catch up your sleep. So that shouldn't sound very familiar to many of you in operations. So now that we uh, know that's a problem, what can we do? So for the agenda, I uh, want to understand a little bit about what kind of battles we run in operations. Uh, and then uh, the concepts about AI ops, how do we get there? And then I want to show you a little demo, uh, some going into the weeds. And I'll bring up Stefan so he can uh, share words of wisdom. So in the, let's understand a little bit before what's happening in the enterprise la landscape. Well, I, I forgot to mention, we will try to end session a couple minutes sooner, maybe about 10 minutes sooner. That way, if you have questions, we can take those. Uh, and if you're evicted from the room, we'll stay back outside to take your questions as well. Uh, so let's get back here. So at the enterprise uh, level, I think what's happening at the higher level is, uh, if you look uh, at this triangle as a triangle of energy, and the world that we all are coming from is where we, all of us, we're spending a lot of energy in maintaining infrastructure. And with introduction of cloud, that has reduced uh, a little bit, allowing us more room in uh, our triangle to have uh, a lot more energy going into innovation and support. The support, the way we look at it, is anything that requires rework, troubleshooting, war rooms, <laughs> uh, should be familiar to you all, uh, or reworking on anything, that's all support cost, including other things that you already know. The way we define innovation is any new features, new product lines, ex new experimentation, and those are the ones uh, that we call as innovations. Now, third triangle is where we are trying to get to. Uh, everyone in the industry, that's where a majority of AWS is. Uh, many of our customers who are doing DevOps really well, they are also uh, in that bucket. The third bucket is where they are able to bootstrap their innovation factory. They are able to bring in agility at scale. They are also able to shrink their go-to-market time, so they are able to reach out to their customers. Uh, not only able to reach out, they are able to reach out faster, better, many times ahead of customer, they are reaching out to them proactively. And for those three things, that's not the only three things. We all want 
to do those three things innovation agility and shrinking our go to market time for lower cost and higher quality we don't want to incur risk now as you already see here what's happening is our support costs are shrinking if you want to be in that bucket so in today's talk we are talking about what could be the different strategies where you can reduce your support spend by adopting some of the advanced concepts organizations that are doing well uh, number speaks for it uh, this is a report uh, puppet state of devops report uh, puppet releases every day and you see their interesting things that they have 60 times fewer failures which is interesting that means they have lower support cost they are also they also have 21% less unplanned work that unplanned work is unanticipated defect hitting them or many of such things changing priorities and that is significant uh, that allows them to have a lot more focus on new work that is innovation so I, I hope that makes the point clear that the reason we are here is how do we in total work together so we don't spend our time and energy chasing defects chasing chasing alerts and having a lot of drain on all of us and while that is happening in devops world uh, there are lots of talks going on gitops chatops ai ops there are many ops that are happening but overall there is a perception that many people when i go around the world and talk to executives and uh, technology leaders many of them think that we are actually landing into a no op zone uh, so to those naysayers uh, my answer is no not really yeah, uh, ops is what we all exist for we are here to operate a business and we want to do it very efficiently uh, talking about the challenges that we are uh, common that are very common that we see across uh, the spectrum number 1 is lack of information how many of you are from operations and how many of you feel that you have this problem quite a few of you excellent uh, so what happens is a very typical scenario you get hit up with the alert and you try to go in there you don't have information you don't know what to act on and that's the time when you say oh i figured out uh, my load balancers were not logging or my application wasn't logging at the appropriate level it was set to error and then i needed something else or worst you try to debug in production uh, so we have seen all those kind of things as well now next is information overload how many of you have been victimized by this only 3 4 that's can't be true okay <laughs> quite a few of you <laughs> excellent so now this is a reverse problem where you get in there and there are dashboards after dashboards and long dashboards you are scrolling 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 just to figure out how many haystacks are there and is there a needle at all in there <laughs> so th th that's very common problem as well and depending on what tool or uh, technology you are using you might be just at the mercy of making solar search or elastic search or any other search just trying to figure out you're trying to figure out what you know already that it's not in there otherwise you would have already found it now third pattern we see is data correlation irrespective of first two whether you have less data or more data the problem doesn't get solved even then now you are trying to figure out how do i how do i find what's correlated out of 400 alerts that you are getting are they all all caused by a single root cause they all are showing some pattern or something else uh, one of my dear friend he doesn't like to say but i always tell him it's always in the network <laughs> but 
how do you know it's in, in the network or it's in the application tier or it's caused by something else? So data correlation is important and by making those queries, that's what we try to find. Is there a correlation? If at all, it does. And then dynamic trends. By the time you find a trend or a correlation, was it two days old or is it happening now? So th those are uh, common problems. At the end of the day, what we are trying to do is, is, is everything okay? Is it, uh, is it what you expected? Is it what is standard? Or there was something else that is going on? Are there uh, external factors that's influencing it? But all of those together contributes a significant drain, whether you're in operations or whether you're in uh, SRE team or you're part of the development team. The goal is to find the root cause and fix it. All of these keeps us at the bay for a long time. How many of you do war rooms? What's the longest war room have you ever been stuck at? A week? Two and a half months. <laughs> well, uh, several years ago, we also had that issue. I've, I've been part of the team that we were stuck for weeks, and some issues are sticky. But they are sticky because we either do not have information or we do not have the right information. We are not looking at the right source. And I hope you can correlate all these problems now why these four encapsulates most of it. But let's say if we start to do operations better and see what, how would it change. We would get to the root cause identification faster. Uh, that's one of, one of the things that we do very well at Amazon. And there are a bunch of other things that we do. Uh, Number one, everything is standardized. Uh, what I mean is uh, the architecture is standardized. You must have heard this morning about blueprints uh, that Dr. Werner talked about. When you look at our architecture, first of all, it's well-architected. <laughs> uh, but the, the way we look at things is there is a blueprint. Our teams invest time in creating blueprints. Once we understand the blueprint, that's a good practice that we want to encourage uh, that we take it further. Second thing we do very well, and we are proud of it, but we continuously refine that, is guardrails. So guardrails are finding those anti-patterns and creating checks and balances, uh, so make sure that we are secure and safer. But there is a different thing happening in the behind the scene. One is encouraging good behavior and also stopping the bad behavior. Uh, so the four problems that we see, we create our reference architecture blue, uh, blueprints, and uh, guardrails in a way that we have adequate information and we tag them, we provide them necessarily so the data that we get is comparatively better. Uh, by the way, since we're talking about it, and there are two other things uh, to complete the thought. Once we have the blueprints, we have the guardrails in place, we go ahead and create the templates. Now templates helps us take it down to every level and then finally, we want to gain the efficiency, so we create uh, internally uh, catalog. Now that tool is available, service catalog, so you can use it as well. But that's how we make sure that all projects, all products, all applications, all services have at least common baseline. Individual teams add more efficiency to them, but at least there's a gu guideline in place. The added advantage where it comes down to root cause identification is if we are working on a sticky problem, uh, like two and a half month uh, type of situation, we can seek help from other teams. And everyone knows how we work, how we operate. They have standard set of tools. We can get to the problem much faster. The second is, if, if you do it well, you will, you will have freedom bought in for yourself from white noise. 
And what I mean by that is information overload. How do you find where is the haystack? Which one has the needle? Which one probably doesn't have the needle? You want to have your probability there so you're hitting the right things. The third is data correlation map. And there are, uh, of late, there are lots of tools. Uh, many of our APM partners, uh, uh, they, they do the application uh, visibility. They provide you. They provide you a nice correlation map. They provide you a lot of information, so it helps you get there faster. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're looking for that correlation map that is influencing. You just don't want a static correlation map, and you want to you want to have something that you trust. And then, if you're doing all of these things, then you don't wait for alerts to wake you up. You want to go further, uh, a step further, and you might want to have Lambda-based remediation, your own scripts, tools, but ultimately you wake up humans only when there is an action that is that cannot be automatically recovered or corrected. So, in that perfect world, how do we how do we measure our effectiveness? Number one uh, metric in my mind is MTTR. That's mean time to resolution, and I think that's all. That also goes back to. How do we find the right needle in the haystack? Unless we find that needle in the haystack sooner, uh, our MTTR is not going to be improved. This second metric is how, how many proactive actions we took. And how do you measure that? One way is to find out how many times your remediation program is getting invoked. And at least you know you have, there is something right that you're doing about it. But do measure if you're looking at how to measure effectiveness of operations towards uh, getting to autonomous state. Now, how do we get to that place? Uh, so this was uh, the same problem, as I mentioned. I was bitten by many of those things. I was frustrated managing a large operations team in <laughs> ops software. Uh, I really was. I didn't know when I took over operations that that's how it would be. Uh, but when we talk about innovation and we talk about operations, they don't have to be inversely proportional. They can actually complement each other. And I, I strongly believe that. And I think there are a couple steps that can help us get our life back. Number one is observability. And when we talk about observability, it's not just logging, monitoring, but also going full length. And that's at the core of it, uh, having all the information, logging, monitoring, alerting, notification, remediation, dashboards. You, you want to look at whole way, so that way you can find something meaningful insights from the data that you have. Otherwise, it's just data dump. And once you have that, and to have that, you will need a collection where you are going to store long-term trending. That way you can go back and see if there's a slow bleed that's happening over month over month or quarter over quarter, those type of things. And then you want to find the patterns. That way your teams can automate to the patterns and not respond just to every single alert. They can sit back and find out, oh, these are the patterns that we need to work and automate. Uh, that way you're doing some more additional value there. And of course, actions. Uh, Lambda is your best friend. How many of you do not know about Lambda? I like that. <laughs> How many of you are using Lambda for remediations, act event-based actions? Quite a few hands. How many of you are using Cloud CloudWatch events? Fantastic. So those are the things built in actions that are also helping us move to uh, autonomous uh, operations one by one. Sorry, this stuck a little bit. 
Okay. So I want to talk about uh, those four steps. How do we actually get our life back? The number one step is set up for observability. Now, when we talk about observability, there are lots of lots of data that's coming in from all different places. So you have APIs, and they're externalized. There are users coming in. Uh, you want to start tracking what they're asking for, what's your API payload is, request size, response size, response time, response codes. There is just a whole lot of data that we all need. The second is events. There are all sorts of events happening. Instances going down, instances coming up, auto-scaling kicking in, auto-scaling going down. There are those type of things happening. Then underneath, there is infrastructure. Uh, CloudTrail provides you that visibility uh, where you can get a lot of uh, infrastructure level logs. VPC logs are there that you can start sending. ALB logs, these are all infrastructure level logs. System logs you can start sending. Uh, but those, uh, those make up the infrastructure log portion. The next is platform logs. And that's, that's misnomer, but important part. How many of you are doing CI, CD? How many of you log everything from there? Only a few hands. So in my mind, that's also an important part because it's the platform that's deploying into production. If you're doing Canary deployments, the platform tells you which version got deployed, what time got it deployed, what percentage of traffic is going in. A lot of details nowadays are being driven by the orchestration platform. How, mu how much longer it, your builds are taking? So you can tail it back to the last change that happened. And all that together will give you a much better picture. Then, of course, the application logs. That's uh, nothing new to any of you here. So you can send that as well. And then code-level telemetry. How many of you are doing code-level telemetry? Like how long your method calls are taking? Only a few hands. So code-level telemetry is an important part, especially when we are in this distributed architecture. There are lots and lots of services. How do you know? Uh, because there's a cascading. One call calls another call, and third call another call. How do you know if you're not really doing code-level telemetry? There are lots of interesting tools out there. Uh, they're tracing APIs there. If you're a fan of StatsD, you can start sending those uh, to CloudWatch or Grafana or whatever you're using, Graphite. But idea is you are instrumenting your code as well. So when things go wrong, you know where it is, if it is in the code. And then there are vended metrics. So CloudWatch provides you a one-place stop where you can start sending all of the data. And uh, if you're running your instances or application yourself, you can have a CloudWatch agent running in there. You can start sending all of the log at one place. So at least we can do a meaningful insights and we can do meaningful analytics on that. The second step is, how do you set up for delivery, collection, and storage? Now, when you're going to emit so much of log, uh, it's very common to see upwards of several gigs of logs every day or many larger enterprises, terabytes of chatter that's coming out of our infrastructure and applications, and it's very common. But you need a place where these are going to be delivered. You need a place where they are going to be collected, and you want to plan for long-term storage. So there are different tools available for those as well. Uh, now, of course, uh, CloudWatch, again, uh, it provides you, you can keep log for a very long duration at uh, CloudWatch as well. Uh, in CloudWatch, you can subscribe, you can send, you can relay your logs using, if you want to stream it, you can use Kinesis Streaming. Uh, you can do real-time analytics using uh, Kinesis Streaming as well. There was another session yesterday. Those of you who are interested in real-time analytics, you should look for that. 
but when it comes to collection and storage, now you have a different choices. You can again store it in CloudWatch, but you can store it in your Hadoop cluster if you're doing EMR or you want to do much different type of analytics. CloudWatch does provide you a subscription. So all you have to do is enable the subscription and you can have Firehose, Kinesis Firehose or Kinesis Real-Time Analytics that can send the logs to S3 or any other destination that you had in mind. Many, many times you want, if you have a larger log volume, but you want to care, you, you care about last 48 hours or last one week, then uh, maybe Elasticsearch is good enough based on the log volume that you're talking about. Or Redshift can serve that purpose as well. Uh, S3, of course, is a large, very famous product. <laughs> I hope you all know about it. That is a very favored destination as well. Now, in all of those, there are different choices based on the different volume, different use case that you think, how long you want to retain, how long you, depending on the business type. But that should be nothing new here. If you think about almost every web shop, if you have a website, you are already doing clickstream analytics and you're collecting all of those logs anyways. This time, we are going to do something different. We are going to collect those logs, but instead, we are going to use those to drive our operations. So the concept is not new. Is usage is comparatively different. So instead of discarding all the garbage, thinking that it's a garbage, I think we are making a mistake. We can actually draw meaningful insights from there. Now, third step, once you have that, you want a place where I can query and you can do patterns mining. And there are, again, uh, CloudWatch has different things. Uh, if, you, uh, if you have been watching different announcements, CloudWatch Insights we launched recently, and I'm gonna show you in the later part of the presentation how to use that. But there is Athena as well. If you have data stored on S3, you can just fire up uh, Athena and you can go and search queries, you can search and query. Now for advanced analytics, you can use Kinesis Real-Time Analytics, or you can connect SageMaker. You will need to know the patterns. You will need to come up with models. I'm gonna show you those. And number four is, once all of that is done, this is a no-brainer. You've figured out what is happening. Alerting, notification, remediation, uh, CloudWatch has all of those. Uh, you, there are many tools out there with our partners as well that you can use. And these are the different ways uh, you can do that. Uh, Lambda is my favorite. It does, connects everything. It's like a super glue for me. <laughs> all right, overall, this is how uh, it looks like. Yeah, when I put my mental blocks together, yeah, you have all inflow of data coming in, you are collecting and ingesting at a single place, and then you may have some known patterns that you want to do seasonality adjustment to it. An example, you are a web shop and there's a Super Bowl, you expected a huge surge, then you know that's a seasonality adjustment. So something like that, that you can input uh, known patterns. But overall, once that system is in place, you want to draw insights. And insights, you want to have very meaningful insights. When we talk about operations, you want two things, predictive and preventive. If you think deeply, these are the only two things we do in operations, keeping the lights on proactively or forcefully if someone, something is going bad. So once we have those preventive and predictive insights of label, you can take decisive response or you can take purposeful action you know, or your teams, if, if you do it well, then you can sit back and say, oh, I'm gonna focus on patterns that went undetected, and instead of all those team members who are chasing alerts, now you have those gained energy, you're constantly now automating new found patterns which were undetected. So that's basically a continuous cycle. Is, 
we are repurposing our energy from chase to innovation in a different way you know, to help ourselves fund our own efficiency. So I'm going to show you, uh, it's not a very detailed in deep, uh, but uh, as, as I mentioned, I'm happy to stay back and walk through in details. So first is, how did I set up set, uh, observability? Uh, what I did is simply I deployed a pet clinic microservices app. It's up on the GitHub. You can deploy it. Uh, it I deployed it on ECS. Uh, three EC2 instances, nine containers. It has one ALB, a single VPC, multi-AZ, and those EC2 instances running. And uh, there is different endpoints. Basically, I wanted to show you the full stack is deployed. Then. Uh, here are the repositories, uh, ECR, that's where it is. So I know when something got written to ECR, you can get all that data. Next, I went and created a cluster, so, and it enabled auto-scaling. What CloudWatch does is phenomenal thing is built-in events. And many of you, how many of you are using CloudWatch events? Fantastic, auto-scaling, a lot more of you. So those are built-in events that are already helping you. And there are many services that uh, emit events. If you're not doing it connected, that, will, that should already simplify things for you. In this example, if a container dies, ECS, ECS task has an event, it will auto-correct uh, auto itself, it will go and start one. Same thing for EC2 as well. But you want to know when that happened. The next is uh, auto-scaling group. Uh, if something happens here, I'm doing uh, logging for those as well. So built-in actions, we talked about it. Uh, I'll move a little bit quickly here. Then I went and enabled all the observability. So first was, I moved too fast. Uh, these are the different things that I wanted to enable. Uh, we talked about those. Uh, CloudWatch subscription, so I can send the data to S3 for long-term retention. And uh, the good news is, uh, how many of you are excited about time stream? I am super excited about that. It's a time series database. Uh, I'm, and how many of you track Amazon, uh, the other announcement? Talk about it. Which one is similar? Forecast. Why are you not excited? Operations. That's what all we do. <laughs> right? OK. Uh, so anyway, these different things, I enabled it. And here is a quick, if you don't know how to log VPC log flows, uh, the last line I salted it a little bit, but you can send it to S3. Here is how you send the ALB logs to S3. Uh, you can actually send it directly. Uh, if All you need a Lambda that can send it to CloudWatch as well. That's what I did. I also enabled routing to the through the Lambda to the CloudWatch. In ECS, in applications, you want to know how to send those logs to CloudWatch. Uh, ECS uh, does have AWS log. Uh, as you see there, log driver, AWS logs. You throw that in, configure your templates, you start throwing that log into CloudWatch. All right. Then here is how you do the subscription uh, on the last part. In this case, I did the Kinesis uh, subscription. Now let's see the good part, advanced analytics. So now we want to see two things. We want to see our dashboard. How many of you are fond of dashboards? Several of you. Excellent. I am not as much. Uh, who, who looks at dashboards anymore? You want to know what is the actionable item. Uh, at least I don't. Uh, the second is, how do we do the real-time analytics? So here's my beautiful dashboard. Very hard to figure out what do I do out of it. 
It looks beautiful. It, looks, it makes me look smarter, some people said. <laughs> but it doesn't help. I want to have even more meaningful. And I draw me to this if something I need to figure it out. Most of the time, don't even pull me here. Action should be automated. So let's see the next thing. Uh, so CloudWatch uh, Insights was recently launched uh, two days ago. I want to walk you through what you can do with it. So if you go to CloudWatch, as you see Insights, that's what you will see. All logs are going in there. So you can figure out which log you want to query. Just drop down, select it. Once you have it, there are some sample queries in there. Or you can form your own queries. So there are some built-in queries that can help you a little bit if you're dealing with a smaller problem. Or you can write your own query. You can group by. Uh, you can find what to look at, count. There are some standard queries are supported. The next thing you can do is, uh, similar, you can see the trend. You can include, you can do absolute or real, uh, relative time. That will all help you find and get closer to what you're, we're trying to get to. And here you can do bin and you can bin package and you can also see at the visualization. So that can also show you overall. I think these are more meaningful dashboards. Once you know what the queries are, you can actually, uh, you can save them. But here is other thing that it does beautifully. When it's reading the logs, it automatically filters out what are the different uh, fields in here. And not only that, you can use them uh, as a query with the dot. It will suggest what to use. And that will get you even closer to finding what's happening. And uh, those, if it's not detecting, you can expand the event, and it will show you all more details in there. And there are multiple commands supported. Uh, so these are the different commands that you can use in query. You can Query on the fields, you can query, uh, you can filter, you can remove things, you can filter them out. You can use stats and math functions, uh, you can sort your results, uh, you can define the limit on uh, response, how many responses you are getting, you can parse things from logs out, a lot of those you can do. Once you do that, you can save it as a set, you can save it to a dashboard, a more meaningful dashboard. Second, you can do, you can copy query results, you can send it. Of course, it has a better CloudWatch integration with everything else. It has an API and CLI access. So that will get you, again, uh, to the next level. So remember, we started our journey four steps. We set up all the logging. Second, we did the collection. Third, we are trying to see if we can do some mining uh, that you're trying to do ad hoc queries and different things. And then we'll see the patterns now. So now let me get to the finding patterns. Uh, and here is here are d three different things, and there are many things that we can do. And the standard problem, uh, this is nothing specific to operations, but when you're dealing with data, what you want to do is classification. You want to find outliers. You want to group things together. You want to find there is a correlation or not. So these are the things that I will show you. So let me go there. Uh, Perfect. So here is a simple notebook that I wrote. Uh, in this, for the demo, I kept the data here, but there is no reason why you cannot make a real-time query, uh, a simple one line, and it will fetch everything from CloudWatch in the real time. So in this case, this is an example of all the response time on my website coming through the load balancer. I filtered down on just a couple uh, columns, and I plot a chart. Here are the table that it's reading from. And I want to see correlation. And you see that little image, and I don't know what to make out of it. 
is just a scatter plot. Show me if they are correlated. It's pretty meaning meaningless. Uh, so I, instead, I, I'm using another library, Seaborn. Uh, it shows me heat map. So I simply use show me heat map of correlation. And now, beautifully, I know now red ones have the correlation. That's where I can focus. Fantastic. Now, help me show. So this is fantastic, but not so much, because it has self-correlation. Uh, so I want to remove the self-correlation. So I used, again, uh, a command. And all those code is up here. Uh, I'm just calling the functions here. In this case, I simply said, remove self-correlation. And as you see here, again, now I saw there are three things that correlate, and it matters. So this is at the smaller scale. Now, what happens when you're any enterprise, any standard place, you have five, seven hundred, and maybe even 2,000 data points? And that's a mess. How do you find that out? What's going on here? So let's see if we can find. So I wrote uh, another notebook. In this case, uh, as you see, all metrics. Again, uh, right before uh, our session start, I downloaded all the data so I can make it here uh, faster. And I plot this map. Beautiful. <laughs> you can't make out anything. Isn't that our operations life is? Isn't that how you feel when you are thrown up a problem? There are some red dots, and they are the correlation dots. How do you get to them? And you can do that in real time. This is just a query on real time streaming. So I say the same thing, remove the self-correlation. Half of the mess is gone. Fantastic. Now, I simply say that, hey, and there is a correlation command. Uh, if you're using any of the uh, standard data science libraries, this is, by the way, no scientific code here. If you go to Google, you'll find it. it. It's very simple. So I go here, and I say, you know, show me all the correlations that have correlations. Don't show me anything there. And I set up a limit here. Show me correlation index if it's more than 0.5. So now it's more meaningful, but I have a dial now. As an operations person, I can now go and create two dashboards. Show me where the correlation is higher than 0.5, or in this case, show me 0.94. Oh, I found my couple needles in the haystack. I still don't know if it's haystack or the needle, but at least I'm much closer from 700 points or different sources. In this case, I know. So a bunch of APIs are going in tandem in your microservices, and you don't know what's impacting. Get all that data. This is what I have here. This is the data from all different microservices that are coming in. And I'm trying to see which one have a correlated heat map. And it's instantly. So instead of creating those dashboards that we saw earlier, I kind of like these ones better. They're more meaningful. And every time something goes on, I can have alerts based on them. I can have correlated ma correlation map going on all the time. So my teams can focus. I can focus on things that matters uh, on the problem. I'll show you another example for anomaly. So uh, similar one, here I'm just trying to look at what, what the whole thing is happening. Sorry, give me a second. Here. So simple, again, I found the code. 
uh, you don't have to be data scientist for this, but I wanted to find out how to do anomaly detection, and there are standard models for it. In this case, I have selected the model uh, random forest or isolation forest. Uh, if you're using SageMaker, by default, it's available. If you're using Kinesis Analytics, by default, it's available to you. All you have to do is call a method, say, create isolation, isolated uh, random cut forest. Uh, that's algorithm model name. You apply to it. What it's trying to do is show where are the rand uh, outliers. So let's look at the steps to do that. So this is a simple plot of overall how it looks like. This is just a single one-dimensional. Uh, but again, how do I determine what's my baseline? How much is anomaly? Where is the anomaly? Uh, I can go by average. I can create a baseline. But uh, let's see wh what it would do. But I applied a model. And I said, let's see what's going on here. Uh, what it did, it created an anomaly score for each of them. Uh, that's how I call it. It's a reverse image, mirror image of the previous. It looks pretty good. Uh, that means it worked. At least it's showing up. Now I say, show me all the anomalies. <laughs> 154. So if you were going by a static baseline or averages, these many times alert would have hit you. And that's, again, a problem, very common that we face. But instead, I want to see, can, can we do something different? So there is another concept called shingling. And again, you don't have to know very detail about those. Uh, those of you who are already thinking that I'm a machine scientist, no, thank you, I appreciate that, but no, I'm not. But let's go back here and see what it is. So I, I use Xingling, and I say, Xingling is basically I'm telling, tell me the most ones that are important, and they're at the higher side of it. So it drops it down, and it shows me 25 things that matters. And that's how you can do the real-time dashboards. And now, instead of having those 155 alerts, I can actually focus on these ones. And I can scale the dial and dial out based on the nature of ones. And all of these you can do in real time. Again, uh, if your operations, your development, or SRE, you don't need any machine learning. All you need is one call. And if you go onto Amazon blogs, AWS blogs, there is a blog about it. Uh, if you search for anomaly detection, random cut forest, you will find this exact code uh, in there with different data set. So those were the things that I wanted to show you. So let me bring you back to here. So the overall idea is you can take observability with lots of tools and mechanisms that are already in place. And to do that, there are a few fundamental things that must be in place. One is track every possible resource. And then alert on service, services, alert on their availability. Uh, make sure that you're tracking the response times. You're capturing. You have some mechanism where you're doing adaptive learning. Now, if you have these models in place, you can actually have machine learning go. You can label the data. When the spike happened, there was a deployment. Next time that happens, your data is learning, and it will automatically tell you, don't worry, I just deployment happened. It will settle down. So you don't get some bad alerts that, that are meaningless. Then you can socialize those insights. So now when you go back to your dev team, you are going with very concrete information. When you are debugging, that you have information that it's not one place, probably four places that I need to look into. And then uh, do track patterns, plan metrics, and monitoring. And that's how I think you can convert, instead of running away from operations, you can move AI and you can be a little bit happier. So with that, I, I like to welcome uh, Stefan Felsen 
Uh, we together worked several years uh, when I was at Edmonds. Uh, Ed Welcome, Stefan. Uh, Stefan, uh, tell us a little bit about Edmonds.com and what you do there. So uh, for those of you who don't know about Edmonds.com, we're a consumer car uh, shopping and research site. Um, we also provide a, 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 a huge suite of services to over 10,000 dealer partners, as well as on the services, business services to all the auto manufacturers in the world. We have over 18, 18 million visitors who come to our site each, uh, each, uh, each month. But I think for the folks in this room, maybe a little deeper description of technically about um, uh, what it takes to deliver the Edmunds experience is that we have hundreds of containerized Java and uh, Node applications that are uh, running in uh, multiple regions uh, in, the, um, in AWS. And uh, we leverage uh, a microservice architecture um, uh, to provide data and content to those applications uh, at, at runtime. And, 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 to, and in addition to that, we also use a lot of managed services, including uh, uh, serverless uh, like Lambda, uh, as well as other uh, services at, at runtime, which all kind of makes for a very kind of complex mesh of things that are happening uh, and that can go wrong uh, at, 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 at any point in, in time. That already sounds pretty complex. <laughs> so from the CIO's uh, desk, uh, what are the top, uh, top dev and operation challenges that you had to overcome to operate your business from many years ago? Well, I think, um, uh, just the sheer complexity, a lot of which you, which you, you kind of talked about in terms of all the data that, that is coming that, that can affect uh, um, um, our, our applications. Um, it's really hard to pinpoint what are the critical set of, of items that affect um, applications and our, and, our, and our services. And it's important to, to identify these, these points because you need it to, uh, to, to optimize uh, your service. You need it to kind of identify the, the service level, uh, level indicators that, uh, you know, that keep your service up, as well as being able to kind of um, remediate issues and identify you know, what to do. Um, it just it makes it really hard. It's, it's very difficult, I think, for teams to do this, especially since a lot of these things could change on a daily basis based on usage patterns or things that you might not think will happen um, through this kind of like very complicated mesh of, 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 of things that can go wrong. So uh, I remember this couple of years ago when we were still working together, uh, idea of AI ops resonated with you. Why so? And you actually ended up becoming sponsor for that. Well, because I, I saw that like, especially with microservice architecture and you know, uh, for all these great services that were, 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 were being leveraged by dev teams, that it just became a lot more complex and uh, I noticed that our war rooms, that our, these issues um, didn't quickly, uh, we couldn't quickly come to what, what the real issue, uh, issue was. And um, as we all know, you know, developers, ops folks, we all come with these biases in terms of what we think the root cause is. And you know, that ultimately led to a lot more time, not quite two and a half months, but um, you know, like weeks in, in some cases to really get to what, uh, uh, you know, where the issue was. And I think that's where kind of uh, machine learning really uh, provided the, I think, the, the promise of being able to get at the data, uh, cut through the noise, and um, really provide that baseline for, for everyone to kind of start from to like, uh, uh, let's, let's talk about really what, what's going on here. 
let's talk about, and let's take an example that you wanted to talk about. Uh, uh, can you talk about what really happened here? Well, uh, like one of the base things that we, that we, you know, we do um, uh, that provides a lot of value that I think that, that could um, provide a lot of value initially for teams that you can start off really early um, is we, uh, we do a, a, a principal component analysis. Uh, we use a, a ML framework called TensorFlow, which I'm sure all of you have uh, ever heard about. Uh, I think a really kind of simple but illustrative use case um, is when um, like applications are all of a sudden, suddenly overnight, you have a set of services or a service that actually um, is just falling down. Um, uh, you know, uh, we typically see it where maybe you'll have uh, degraded response times. Ultimately, um, maybe uh, uh, the, the, the service is crashing and then you have no availability. Um, and in these cases, um, using uh, 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 like a, a, a principal comp a PCA, principal component analysis, is really helpful because it helps kind of uh, get at what the actual issues were. In one case that I can think of, uh, we were able to do that, uh, determine what, the, what, what were the key um, uh, components that were involved in it, a lot of what kind of what Ajit showed earlier, and then um, uh, forecast um, uh, when the applic application was going to uh, fall down. Um, in, in the one case I'm thinking of, we, uh, uh, the model that was created um, when you looked into it determined that it was a, uh, a GC uh, uh, collection time, uh, garbage collection time, how, I mean, the, the duration of that, um, that, that we were able to kind of determine that, at, at, uh, uh, or the model really determined that at the three minute mark, um, uh, the GC collection time uh, uh, was the time basically for us to take action uh, before the, app, the application or the service actually crashed. Our existing um, health, uh, health auto healing system uh, which used our kind of your traditional health checks um, didn't work in this case because uh, what was happening is that uh, th that system couldn't keep up with the, the level of traffic that was coming in, and we ultimately were were getting a lot of like issues from from a from a service point, um, and so uh, the model was able to to, to be quickly uh, tied into our you know, into our automation. So whenever, whenever it predicted that, hey, you're, uh, the application is going to fail, then it actually killed the container and, uh, and created uh, a, a new one, therefore giving teams uh, uh, um, time to figure out what the real issue was and, and uh, remediate it. And like literally overnight, no more alerts and the service was fine, but and, like I said, gave us the time to kind of like delve into fixing what the real uh, issue was. So you mentioned uh, you get about 18 million unique visitors a month. That's a lot of traffic on website on a daily basis. How do you, uh, we, we were talking about it and you mentioned that there are other things that you do that filters out organic traffic, non-organic traffic. You, you try to do classification based on that and some intelligent things there. Uh, is, is that all real time that you Yeah, do? I think the opportunity uh, for bringing ML, AI to kind of all our lives um, for us you know, um, for our business, um, it's things like um, using um, uh, like contextual anomaly detection to be able to identify uh, bot traffic um, that has a lot of like not just business but also maybe operational 
uh, uh, impact, um, uh, especially if they're hitting your site really hard. I actually think that um, um, these things can be actually bring to, uh, can be brought to bear to create much more accurate uh, forecasting of costs um, based on you know what's actually happening, um, which 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 is really great. I, I actually even think that um, even though you really hate dashboards, um, doing image classification on kind of like this Uber dashboard could, could actually um, provide ways for for uh, uh, you know you to actually kind of detect. Um, certain types of of of, of, of issues that um, um, that you know maybe traditionally uh, people in, in Knox would have to uh, have to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to do. So there's a, there's a lot of potential that we're we're looking forward and exploiting um, using ML that goes beyond what we're already doing today. Uh, the other thing uh, that that comes always in operations is forecasting. What I/O we are going to need and others. So before I show up uh, the notebook on that. And uh, do you want to talk about how you use forecasting for uh, doing your business through uh, AI ops? Well, uh, kind of mentioned it earlier when you do what, when we did the the PCA analysis to determine what those uh, actual important um, uh, 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 items were. Uh, what we quickly were able to do was just then use those uh, those those. Now we had all the noise out; those were the signals. We then kind of use those signals to be able to deter to forecast out. Um, um, uh, when there was going to be an issue and, 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 to, and to take action. So the good news is we have now forecast service, but uh, if you are looking for something uh, quick and dirty, I wanted to show you this notebook, uh, very just simple commands, and I say forecast, and this is how it looks like. Uh, the raw data, I just put it into model uh, it, uh, on a log scale, and then finally I say show me the forecast, and that's how it looks like. You can find out which band it's going to be. You can use it for different things, for your budgeting, how much EC2 resource you're going to need, you know, IO you're going to need, but at least you can do a lot of things uh, like those. Uh, so uh, coming back to our presentation, sorry. Uh, thank you, Stefan, for coming here and sharing with us. Uh, before uh, we will conclude our session, we have about 10 minutes, as I promised, left. We'll stay back here beside the stage. Uh, feel free to ask us questions, but if you decide to go, uh, these are some related uh, sessions that may benefit you. Uh, and thank you so much. But before you walk out, please provide feedback. Thank you so much. We'll stay back here. Uh, we do have mic set up here. Uh, if you want to walk up to mic and ask questions, we'll take it.